And we're back and live. I'm Jimmy Krupka, and this is Ski Racing This Week, brought to you by Ski Racing Media. If you're a Tips and Tales fan, welcome back. This is Ski Racing Media's official podcast, just rebranded. If you're new, welcome. I am the new host of the Ski Racing Podcast, which is crazy. I'm stoked. I'm psyched. I'm amped. I've got minimal experience, but I've got all the passion in the world for both podcasting and for ski racing. Um, I shot them an email when I heard there was a vacancy, and ski racing said, sure. They gave me the reins, and uh, so I say to you, buckle up. To get to know me for a second, uh, I was born in Boston and spent 11 years in Massachusetts, but we don't talk about that. Then I lived on the south side of Faston, Vermont, went to school at the Green Mountain Valley School, the Green Mountain Valley School. Uh, my parents live in Vail now, so you call that home, I guess. Home is where the heart is, they say. Uh, but I'm basically a gypsy, have been for the past four years. I go to Dartmouth College part-time, and the rest of the time I travel all over the world competing with the U.S. ski team as an invitee. It's my fourth year as an invitee. I'm about to break the record, um, so stay tuned. Uh, but that's a saga for another time. Anyway, our fates, you and me, you and I, the listeners out there, our fates are entwined now because if you like the show, smash that subscribe button and come back next week. If you don't like it, use that ski racer mentality that it will be better next time, hopefully. Um, and you'll just have to tune in again to see if it is, or marvel at how bad it is. Gosh, that's not good attitude, Jimmy. So I've got a great show for you all. Doug Lewis calls in to help me sort through everything that's happened in the World Cup since the last episode, which was January 1st. We've got a lot to catch up on. Uh, he also helps me look ahead to Hinterstoder and La Tuile. And I've got some great segments after that at the end, including some tips from our resident ski instructor. He drops by the studio. His name is Helmut Vera. And a surprise guest ooh, joins the show to give us inside information on Henrik Christofferson. But before all that, um, I was going to do an ad here, but I think we should get right into it because... It was a crazy weekend on the World Cup, and I need to recap it. Uh, Kranz Montana was this weekend in Switzerland. It was uh, two downhills and an alpine combined. Lara Gut was the story of the weekend. She won both downhills, the first one by eight tenths. Is she back? I don't know. Uh, this is Lara Gut Bayrami. She's got a new last name since the last time she was good. Um, so maybe it's different. She no longer has social media. So is Lara Gut back? You tell me. Corinne Suter was second both days and locked up the downhill globe. Uh, she's had an awesome season. If you didn't watch Kranz Montana, it is an awesome track to watch. I would love to run it. It's um, these big turns, big drops. A couple, actually, big jumps. Breezy Johnson launched herself off both of them and then also got went sideways once on her way to a fifth. Shout out, America. In 
the Alpine Combined. Brinone is on a tear still. She won the Alpine Combined and gained the overall lead. It's not really fair with Michaela out, but we'll get to that. Brinone crushed the slalom, but she also was handed the victory by Vlova because Vlova is the best slalom skier in the world. She beat Michaela twice this season, I think. And uh, she was right behind Brinone after run one, but straddled in the slalom. Checking in on Michaela, her last race was January 26th in Bonsko. She won the Super G. Obviously, we have no pressure on Michaela to come back. And uh, due to the unfortunate passing of Jeff Schifrin, her father, she's been staying at home. So the GS, a uh, little recap here in Japan, men's GS. I looked up the pronunciation of this place. It's a long word, but I'm going to go for it. Here we go. Neigata Yozua Naiba. I can say it faster. Neigata Yozua Naiba. I think that's right. Whip that one out at your next cocktail party, why don't you? Zubchich was possessed by Hersher. He was 12th after the first run, 1.6 out. And he just had this absurdly grounded, powerful skiing in terrible conditions. I mean, this snow was bad. It was salted, but it was warm, and it broke down way too fast. Uh, in the first run, only one person outside the 30 made it into the top 30, um, and that was Bib 34. Zubchich won by seven tenths. I mean, he took this thing. It wasn't like Henrik blew it, but we'll get to that because Henrik kind of blew it. <laughs> he had 1.6 to work with coming down. He won the first round. He was coming down. He lost eight tenths to the first split, like the first 10 gates. Come on, dude. Um, Tommy Ford was 10th first run, came down a second out second run. And I kind of just forgot about him. And then we came, we, we got to the end, and he pops out, uh, walks out into the finish area on the podium because nobody could catch Zubchic or him. He ended up third. So that's sweet, his second podium of the season. Um, Kilday got sixth and still has the overall lead, which is very interesting. We'll get to that with Doug. Ted was 11th. I uh, just... He wasn't really hammering the outside ski like I uh, like I know and love the way he does. And the Japan slalom uh, was canceled. It started snowing and uh, was blowing hard, and I think the snow was going to be terrible too. So it's understandable, but it does suck for all the slalom skiers to go all the way to Japan, risk the coronavirus. Well, I don't know how much coronavirus is there, but anyway... And it's not working because uh, these wind gusts are coming. Uh, this was the peak now around noon, but it's not stopping. Uh? So we have five minutes calm situation. We could go, but then suddenly very strong wind gust and uh, it's not under control. So it would not be a regular a regular race. Yeah? But really strong gust that you could not see anything up there. Uh? All right, your favorite part of the show, the ads. Before we get to Doug Lewis, I got to read you an ad about the World Pro Ski Tour which is parallel slalom racing, high stakes, because there's a lot of prize money. And uh, it's basically the future of ski racing. They say, I'm not saying that because I happen to be decent at it. Um, it's basically a March Madness bracket, and it's a nationwide tour. Pro skiers like Ted Ligety, Phil Brown, the World Cup slalom skier, 
um, Garrett Driller, the U.S. national champion last year, uh, Michael Ankeny, Norm overall champ, and World Cup slalom skier for America. There's three race weekends left in the season. Come and watch in person or uh, stream it. March 13th, 14th, Eastern Pro Championships at Waterville Valley in New Hampshire. April 4th, 5th, World Pro Ski Tour Finals at Sunday River in Maine. And April 10th through 12th are the World Championships at Taos Ski Valley in New Mexico. So as I said, watch it in person or on Facebook Live or at worldproskitour.com. And then the round of 32 through the finals airs on flowlive.tv. CBS Sports Network broadcasts highlights uh, one weekend or one week after each tour stop. New this season, the uh, World Pro Ski Tour has a documentary series, really, called Life in Between the Gates, syndicated on outside TV and more. Check your local listings or view on demand at worldproskitour.com. All right. That was fun. That was my first ad. Very exciting. Let's uh, get to Doug Lewis. Here he is. So I now welcome on uh, as my very first guest uh, as running the show, uh, Doug Lewis. He is a bronze medalist in the 1985 World Championships. He's a two-time Olympian, and he is an analyst for uh, NBC Sports, right? Sure am. So to start things off, Doug, because I've always wondered this, and I grew up, um, you know, watching Universal Sports, and uh, there's there's so many runs, uh, you know, Ligeti's run uh, at so there, there's so many runs where your voice and your commentary is ingrained in my head. Um, so it so it's cool to have you on the show to talk about ski racing. You know what it's like to ski these tracks, especially Bormio, you, you're always there commentating for Bormio every year. Um, but the audience doesn't necessarily know what it's like to ski them. Are there ways that you try to get people to understand exactly what it's like as a racer and what goes through your mind? For sure. I mean, I think you need to be as descriptive as possible. A lot of adjectives, um, and I see my role as to number one, educate and number two, entertain. So on the education part, I have to, I'm talking to people like you who've been ski racing your whole life, but also, uh, your aunt Betty, who has never ski raced before. So I have to ride that fine line of not talking to inside baseball and also describing, uh, what it's like. So, um, basically to educate, I'm trying to give the, the viewer, uh, things to look at. What part of the course is going to play the biggest role? What kind of things to look at at this ski year? If it's um, Hirscher, how crazy he is, how much energy he brought to it. If it was Bodie, his quiet uh, uh, trance-like start. So it was really pointing out those things for the viewer to look at to educate them. And then the other part, ski racing is fun. I still ski as much as I can. Ski racing is exciting and that's what gets me going. So that's what I try to bring to it. The energy. I mean, imagine throwing yourself down a mountain with no motor, no brakes, just a pair of skis. It's awesome. So I'm just trying to, trying to relive that for people. Yeah. And I, 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 you can hear it in your voice when you talk, it's, there's a lot of energy. There's a lot of passion for it. And I, I feel you searching for the right words. 
Um, and the other thing I, I, I wonder is how do you keep the commentating interesting when, when someone's having a slow run, you're getting towards the back of the pack and there's not much uh, that's really going to happen? Um, once we get through the top 15 or if we're doing reverse order on the second run for those top those first 15, if, if leads aren't changing and things are just uh, beginning to get exciting, um, usually Steve Perino or Steve Schlanger or my partner, we're having conversations. We're talking about what the snow is like. We're trying to paint that picture so when it does get exciting, when the ruts start to happen, when the visibility does get bad, um, the, the viewers are prepared. So that's the time where you just like load up the information, set the scene, and then you don't have to do much for the grade eight. It just happens and yeah. you just try to react to what's happening in front of you. Have you ever studied uh, like uh, ball sports commentators, analysts in, in uh, football or basketball? You ever studied that? Yeah, it's really interesting. They get, you know, in football you have six second play, but then you have 30 second replay, right? Yeah. That's the opposite of us. We have two minutes of live and then uh, a replay that we have no clue what's coming up. So it's really hard. But yeah, I, I definitely study uh, the people out there. Um, when I was first going, I don't do it anymore, but I would have a list beside me uh, on the desk of 30 adjectives. And uh, I would try to use each one uh, every time and, and just try to, to paint that picture. That's that's a good idea, actually. Yeah. Because I end up using awesome too much. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I really wanted my last show. I really wanted to wor use the word delicious. I think that would delicious. be a really cool adjective. I yeah. couldn't find a way to put in a, a delicious turn. Wait, a delicious describing the skiing or delicious? <laughs> I don't know. I just had to use that word and I couldn't get it in. Well, do you know the next race you'll you'll uh, be on? I don't. Um, I don't know if I'll be on for the rest of the time. I wish I could get into the uh, World Cup finals just because only 25 racers, the best of the best. It happens a lot. And right now, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, yeah. there's a lot of globes on the line, and it's going to be exciting. I'm pumped. That's why I'm so excited doing this podcast because I've been watching the cup standings all year, and it's just been a, a, an awesome race to watch. Um, so going into the World Cup season – uh, it, basically, this episode we have to uh, encapsulate. We have to summarize everything that happened since January first, because that was the last episode. So, uh, t what was your favorite race to watch this year? Just in, in general, men's. Uh, we'll still a men's race and a women's race. Yeah, well, I usually say Bormio uh, with Paris doubling up there. It was a great win, but Kitzbühel. I mean, I'm a downhiller. Kitzbühel yeah. is always my favorite. It is the craziest run on the planet. Every other race you could go, like you go be creative, you could ski birds of prey. You go to Vengen and actually ski it. Kids feels like this crazy course that they put together it's like frankenstein it's a head from somebody and it's a leg from somebody else and so yeah. kitzbühel you watch them they know they could get seriously hurt they know that they, this could be their last day of racing ever and so they have that gumption and with meyer coming through in front of the austrians and then a tie at kitzbühel it's just it's it was just amazing and and i keep watching sometimes this is me i may shut it off after 30 or whatever except yeah. for the americans but i watch to the end at Kitzbühel. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And there were some, I mean, uh, shout out to the, the uh, young Canadian guys threw in. I think there a couple guys got points, a couple guys were close to the points, which was cool. Uh, yeah, I'm, and on the women's side, um, 
you know, I had Killington because I was there and Marta Bacino won her first ever race. It was really exciting. Of course, Schifrin won there. Mm-hmm. Bonsko I thought was interesting. It was a crazy nightmare of a course for some of the downhillers. But yeah. I got to go to the tightest race ever. It's the tie in, in Sestriere for the GS with Brignone and Belova and Schifrin won Hundy oh, yeah. behind. So, I mean, just can you believe it? After two miles of skiing, they separated by a foot. It's just amazing yeah, to me. That was, that was a crazy one. And uh, I think Michaela came out with a post after that. That was, she said something about luck. She said, you know, when you work that hard and 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 everybody's, you know, within a hundredth of a second, like is is that luck at that point? I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think back to my medal. I lost the gold medal by 14 one hundredths of a second, which is 14 feet. Was my mouth open? Did yeah. I not tighten my suit well enough? You know, but I've been on the other side of it. I won a race, the nationals by four hundredths. I yeah. won a race by seven hundredths. It evens out, but it's tough to take, as you know. It's the name. It's the name of the game. The fun thing to think about, which I love, is the it, it, they do time to thousandths of a second, but they don't release those times. Is that, I, I'm pretty sure that's how it works. And so there's kind of a, a threshold. There's a point at which the time either rounds up or rounds down. So it could have been a, a thousandth of a second. Yeah, it's, I, it's awesome. That's what makes <laughs> ski racing so cool. Yeah. Um, and so to talk about the athletes specifically this season, um, who's been the most fun to watch? We'll do a man, a man and a woman too. Um. To me, I am, you know, I have kind of a man crush on uh, Dressen. I just, you know, he's a mm. huge dude. He's yeah. German. He's coming back after blowing out his knee on the easiest part of Birds of Prey, but still blowing out his knee last year. Yeah. And he wins Lake Louise. He he wins again. And I just think he's the gentle giant. This guy is huge. He's massive, but he also is has a touch. Yeah. And so I just he's got love that technical, watching whatever he does. He's got the technical skill set. Yeah, which is amazing for a big guy like that. So yeah. I love to watch him on the men's side. And um, I'm going to go with Wendy Holdner. Sandy Wendy. She's like, I don't know if you've ever met her, but I've talked to her a million times. She's nice. She's quiet. She's courteous. She would do anything for you. And then she gets in the slalom course and she turns into a crazy woman. I love it how she pushes it to the edge. Yeah, she is very fun to watch in slalom. And uh, she definitely sends. She deserves the nickname. Um, I, I mean, you're still ski racing. Who do you watch uh, as as someone who pushes their limits? I mean, who who blows you away? Um, so last year, it was Manny Feller because he. I mean, there. I just remember this one run in Alta Badia where he basically blew, blew out of the course twice, and both of those splits afterwards, he had gained time. I mean, his like ability to push it to the edge, push it over the edge, and still gain time was just awesome and i'm bummed this year because it hasn't really been working for him i don't know if it's his setup or if if he doesn't doesn't have the confidence he, he had before um but he hasn't been as fast um i have loved watching uh ramon zenhauser in slalom because he has ma- somehow managed to keep his limbs together and when he does that it it is fast and it's, it's ugly but but it's fast yeah well, tell me about this. We've talked to this on on the show on the NBC. You know, he's so tall, mm-hmm. and he's running late in the second run. What rut does he take? Because the ruts are made from guys who are a foot shorter, a foot yeah. and a half shorter. So, does he take the rut and put his body through the gate? I mean, what's your take on where he skis and where he has to ski? Um, I, 
it's it's tough because the closer he can get to the gate, it means the less movement he's he's doing laterally, um, which benefits him. Um, but I th- I think when the rut, it depends on how big the rut is. But if it's one of those, you know, double ski, if it's, if it's a shelf, I think he can get close to the gate. If it's one of those double, you know, railroad track uh, ruts, he's got to mm-hmm. put his feet in it, and he actually it actually benefits him because he's got those long legs. So. Wow. It's interesting it. to watch. I love it. It is, yeah. And then for the women, I, um, I've been Breezy Johnson has has some serious send in her, and she's had a couple races uh, putting it on putting on the edge, which has been cool to watch, especially because she's come back from two knee injuries. For sure. And uh, this last one, where I didn't see the see the. Uh see the run but i heard she was a dnf i'm like holding my head i'm like i hope she's all right i, I hope she's all right yeah because she's been so hurt but she does send it yeah um and so who would you say is the most improved who gets those awards um i i i gotta go with odorma i mean he's yeah. he's been everybody's guy that he's coming but we were just waiting you know he's the world junior guy he wins everything but is he going to make that transition to world cup and uh he finally did i got to call his beaver creek super g win where he was off the course went through the gate comes down and win super yeah. bummed he got hurt but he's back now so odorma i love it when guys and gals with potential actually come through yeah and it and I think people have people love to have expectations. They don't realize how hard it really is to to reach the next level. And winning World Juniors is one thing, but getting to the next level is tough. Especially when the system's kind of set up against you. World Cup points last forever and you know, you need two scores, you know, for fist points. So Yeah, and what about for women? Who who would you say? Um, I, I'm, you know, cause I got to see her on the podium most improved. I just think Marta Bassino. I mean, oh, it's such definitely. a deep Italian GS squad with those women and trying to, uh, differentiate yourself and get through and break through. Bassino did it on the glare ice yeah. of Killington. She had a great interview. Uh, I think she's heard, she's been some up and downs, but I just think Bassino was, is a thrill to watch. Super improved. Yeah. She's young too. She's a 96, which makes her two years old, 23. Um, and it was interesting cause I watched her, she was in copper when, while we were there in the early season and she trained a lot of speed. Um, and then went straight to Killington and, and skied well in the GS. So it, I guess it worked for her. doesn't work for me. Yeah, I think it's a lesson for kids out there. You know, a lot of people train what they're good at. Yeah. And that doesn't do much for you. You got to break out. Get you outside the comfort zone. Switch. Get outside that comfort yeah. zone. And every turn that's not comfortable for you is going to make you more comfortable down the road. Yeah. Um, now, I... Uh, the the Americans have been interesting this year. There's a lot going on. Um, obviously, Michaela's out right now um, with a sudden tragedy, and uh, you know Bryce hasn't had quite the results he had last year. It looked like he was on a really steep upward climb. Um, you know, Ted isn't. Uh, he'll hate me if I say this. I know <laughs> heaven will hate me when I say this, but he he's not getting the results he used to get, um, and. Uh, What's your overall impression of the Americans this year? Um, I think I was expecting more from the downhill team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been really excited for Travis and his Super G. Like Travis, 
is the most boring guy. He <laughs> takes his time. Yeah. But the dude comes through. He does. And uh, I'm glad he's been so great in Super G. I hope he gets it going in downhills. But on the overall on the men's side with Bryce struggling a little, Nyman just one mistake away from a great result. It's been a little bit tough. Yeah. So I think they're going to bounce back. I think they're going to have a good year. They're just getting older. So hopefully they can uh, duct tape and band-aid themselves together. I, on the other side with Ted, you know, talking about Ted Ligeti, I expected, you know, only doing GS, fiddling with the pro tour, having a kid. I thought maybe he was gone, but I'm psyched that he has a couple top tens and he's hanging in there. Um, and maybe a little bit to do with that is Tommy Ford. This is the best story of the year for the men. Um, and after missing so much time and I didn't even think he was coming to come back from that injury. I'm psyched that Tommy Ford, he, he just proves that hard work pays off. So I've been really psyched with him. Yeah, and I actually started off my question with some negativity, which I which I don't like because yeah. I we I I was just doing what I said I don't like is placing expectations on people. Um, so there, and there has been some great stories this year. Tommy Ford in GS, um, and then on the other side, uh, you know, Alice Merriweather is is coming up in in Super G and downhill and is making some big strides there. Yeah, I got to put it out there. You know, you're a lead teamer, but Alice Merriweather, I've known her since she was 13, 12 years old as an elite team camper. And I tell you, she surprises me every day. She's too nice. She's too kind. She's too everything to be fast, yet she's fast. And I just, it blows me away. I'm going to throw it back at you because I don't understand slalom as much as I should. Mm -hmm. But Luke Winders is so exciting. And you've been training with him. I think he has this raw speed. And I hope that he can refine it without losing that speed. Where do you, how do you describe his skiing? Because it's just off the wall to me. Yeah, it's I've skied with uh, Luke for four years now, and he his slalom skiing has just steadily been climbing and climbing and climbing. Um, it broke through two years ago when he won his first Noram, which is a great story. We were driving to the mountain, and a couple of raindrops uh, end up on the windshield, and he goes, I hope it just pours today. I hope it's like <laughs> Mount Hood out there. I hope it pours. It poured rain, and he won. Um, and that kind of started things off and, um, it's the <laughs> same thing happened in, uh, New Zealand this summer. There was a parallel slalom and it was a little bit snowy and rainy and foggy. And his post-race interview, he said, if there's moisture on the goggles, count me in. So Luke's biggest strength is skiing in variable conditions. He is, I mean, he's he's probably faster in a in a saw in a rut than he is um, on ice on the same course, which is unbelievable. He's got these slinky feet, um, and so if he once he figures out, uh, not really figures out, he's already fast on ice. But once he gets the con- the consistency he has on uh, that he has like in ruts, which is amazing to say, but I think it's the way it is. Um, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna crush it. And the yeah. thing about Luke beyond his skiing is we always say Luke is the one with ice in his veins. I mean, he is just stone cold when it comes to racing. I think you make a good point. I go back to my bronze medal at Bormio. Um, unlike Luke, I was more comfortable on ice cause I grew up in Vermont. Right. So it was, I woke up in the morning of the, of the world championship downhill 
and it was puddles and warm the day before. And I was I went out of the hotel to do my warm up run at six in the morning, and I instantly slipped on what was puddles yesterday it was glare ice because it had froze. Uh-huh. And I slipped, fell on my butt, was hurt, and I just smiled because I said, "This is the day." And for <laughs> Luke, it's gonna take that day. It could be raining, it could be whatever, but. Once he has that day where he puts two runs together, yeah, he's going to get the most confidence because that's what it takes, that one breakthrough where everything is right for that athlete like I had in Borromeo, and then it just sets you off. Yeah, he's, he's got the speed. It's just the breakthrough. And, and the thing about this World Cup this year is it's just so cutthroat. I mean, getting uh, 30, 30, like getting top 30 first run takes – now it's taking uh, being 1.5 out in the first run. And last year it was, you know, two seconds, 2.5. And so, and second runs, everybody's within a second. So you just have no room for error. And I, and I think it, um, less errors will come with more experience. I'm sure you feel that about the World Cup. Yeah, and I like it too because it teaches those athletes running 35 to 65 you have to go out all the time, all yeah. out, 100%. Yeah. In training, on that first run, you have to live on the edge because that's how the champions do it. Just watch any race from me, Marcel Hirscher. Oh, yeah. And actually, let's talk about that for a second because the, the absence of Hirscher has kind of defined this season, I think, this World Cup season because it's such a drastic difference. Last year, it was Hirscher putting on a clinic every single race. And it was fun to watch just because he was so good. But now, it's anybody's race. What it does to the speed side, especially for the overall, it opened it up. We had Paris in there for a, of an overall um, yeah. guy who could do it. We have Kilda, a speed guy, now in the lead. So it made the speed guys have a lot more confidence. But it also put huge pressure on Christofferson and Pentaro. And those guys, uh, I'm really surprised that they crumbled. I, 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 I feel that yeah. they both crumbled under the pressure and they couldn't put it together. Those guys had it in their hand. And now they both have to fight for it. Henrik came out at Solden and it just looked like he couldn't. He knew he was the number one guy. He had the number on his back and he couldn't perform, which is amazing. And it was um, what you brought up about the overall is interesting, too, because I think people heard that Hersher was retiring and specifically started training for the overall. Matthias Meyer skied some great GS. Kilday has been a top five GS skier all year. Um you know, and Paris skied, uh, sold and almost made second run. Yeah, it, it was crazy. It just opened up the doors of, of hope. And I think, uh, as I said, the downhillers took it as a positive and Christofferson and Pentro felt that target on their back too yeah. much. Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, we talked a little bit about the, the men's slalom title race. Clement Noel is two points back and Daniel Yule is seven points back. We've got two slalom races left in the season Kronskogora and finals at Cortina I know you're not as much of a slalom guy but give me your uh, who's your guy who's going to take it well I did some little homework so I looked up Kronska uh, Christofferson's been second there the last two years mm-hmm. Noel has had a top five um, so as far as that, I think it's a toss up. I just think watch Christofferson in the gate. He's like a grunting pig. He's groaning. He's amped. <laughs> he's wasting a lot of energy. The yeah. guy's going to blow a gasket in the start. So I, I think I'm he does. Going with, I, yeah. I've heard he does. He actually throws up. He does blow gaskets yeah. in the start. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you got that guy and you got Noel. 
uh, Noel or whatever his name is and the French guy and I just I gotta go with uh, Clement Noel because Cortina they both never raced mm-hmm. and just imagine it uh, Christofferson's gonna come down to Cortina slalom with potentially the overall and the slalom globe on the line so that's double pressure he's gonna yeah. puke twice <laughs> I just think Noel's gonna win the slalom race at that point I don't know if Yule can catch up I, I just think it's between those two for the women overall, Brinone has twelve ninety eight, Michaela has twelve twenty five, um, and Petra Vlova is back there a little ways at eleven thirty nine, um, with about two of every discipline left to go, and a lot of it, it's kind of a delicate subject because a lot of it hinges on Michaela coming back to the circuit. I think it's between these two. So let's just take Michaela out. If she comes back, I think she wins. Yeah. So if she doesn't come back up, I think that's the scenario we try to figure out. Yeah. Um, what is who is your pick for uh, the men's overall? We've got about two events of everything left. We got Kilday leading uh, with a thousand twenty-two points. Henrik second with nine forty-eight, and Pintero with eight ninety-eight. A little ways back. Yeah, I, I did a little homework on this. So Kildes has raced 23 races. Mm-hmm. Uh, so because he's that overall guy, he can get in GS, as you said, in, in uh, Alpine combined. Christofferson's has done five races less, or six races less. He's only raced 17. Pintero's done 19. So Kildo, on the on the overall, can just make more points. And so you have nine races left that Kilda can race. Only five races left that Christofferson can race. Oh, wow. So, um, Kilda, I think you got to go with Kilda because he's got uh, five speed races to go, two downhills, three super Gs. He's got three GSs he can enter, just get whatever he wants, and there's one combi. So, he has a lot more chances than wow. Christofferson. Christofferson's got three GSs, two slaloms. He's got five races. And uh, that puts a lot more pressure. So just doing the math yeah. right now, I think Kilda has more chances and is doing better at each of those chances going on. We got the ESPN stats and info department on that one. That one. Yeah, throw the screen up with all the numbers. <laughs> there you go. I mean, Henrik's got to push the panic button. Maybe he'll ski some Super G. Who knows? Yeah, I would love to see that. Yeah. Talk about throwing up in the gate. He may be uh, <laughs> pooping his pants in the gate. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... Uh, so basically, let's um, do a little preview of Hinterstoder. Um, Hinterstoder next weekend is GS Men's GS, which replaces the Valdezer GS, or you know um, they didn't run Valdezer uh, Super G and Alpine combined. What what are you uh, what are you thinking about that? Do you know Hinterstoder well? Uh, I do. It's kind of flat. The thing that blows me away is I always think about Hinterstoder. 2011, Marcel Hirscher broke his leg. He was just coming up. He had won a couple races, but boom, he breaks his leg in Hinterstoder, misses the World Championships. Then next year, he won, started his seven overalls in a row. So he wow. breaks his leg at this kind of easy event, and that started it. it. It got him mad. It got him stronger. It got him back, and boom, he never looked back. So it's just a little history of Hinnersoro, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Now, for the giant slalom, it's it's anybody's pick. How cool is this? So many different skiers within 100 points. You got Kronchek, the strong guy. Yeah. You got Christofferson, intensity, but melts the snow. You got Pintero, who should be leading, but he doesn't kind of – 
found himself. Uh, Zubchik wins, crazy Croatian, and then you got Tommy Ford, this quiet Tommy. intensity. It's just, it's a cast of characters. But yeah. if you want to put it on there, I'm going to go Kroncheck wins, Pentaro second, Ford back on the podium. Ford back on the podium. I love that. So we've got some young guys. I think we've got George Steffi racing there. I'm, that's not confirmed, but um, I think he's headed over to Europe. Um, do you know George at all? I don't. I've, I've only uh, started to read up on him, and I got to maybe do one of his races. But tell me what his strengths are. Uh, strength. That's that's his oh, strength. Really? <laughs> the man is a beast He uh, in the gym, and he just doesn't take no for an answer. He's a relentless kind of guy. Um, he's got an insane mustache, and uh, as of a few days ago, he had an insane uh, mullet. So, he's, so, so uh, what, do you, what do you say to George, knowing him? In his World Cup, I don't know if it's a debut, but he's back on World Cup. What do you tell him to do in the start? Um, I tell him to do his thing. That's what I tell my teammates because I have so much confidence in the in the training that we've all done together. And uh, if you do your thing, you worry about yourself. That's the best recipe. That's good. Yeah. Um. So, um, we've got a super G there. Is that that's going to be pretty flat as well? Yeah, it's just going to take, you know, you can't make mistakes, especially not only on that course, but mm. in Super G as well, because there's so many people. You have Kilday, he's leading this. He's got his buddy Jansrud, who could win or do 15th, depending on where Jansrud's at. But then you have to throw in the Aust- Austrians. Kriegmeier is a made-for Super G guy. He's yeah. tall. He's he's beautiful on the ski. He has touch and he has power. Um, he's hard to bet against. Meyer, of course. I can't figure out Franz. Maybe you can. But on the Swiss, you have Odermatt, Kavietzel, even Foitz. Yeah. So um, it's the Norwegians, the Austrians, and the Swiss. I wish I could say Travis was going to get top three, but I, I put Travis in the top ten. My picks for the Super G are Kilda because he's just on a rampage for this overall, followed closely by Kriegmeier, and I love this guy, Odermatt. Yeah, I think it's gonna, and those are the, really the three, the three GS GSE uh, speed skiers. So I would agree with those. Do you know? I've never heard of La Tuile, which is in Italy, where the women are racing a Super G and Alpine combined. Uh, I called this race back in 2016. Mm-hmm. I think it's La Tuile. La Tuile. I don't know if there's a uh, La Tuile. Uh, I don't know if there's that A on the end, uh, but you can correct me. <laughs> um, all I remember, it's pretty gnarly. There's a lot of uh, terrain. There's some steeps. It's there's a lot to it, and because they don't race it, this is the first time in what five four years that they're doing it. Um, I looked up the results. Vaughn was there, and she's gone. Fabian Suter was there. Lorraine Ross did well there. She's not racing. Hooters hurt. Hmm. Uh, Fonkini's gone. Ravensburg's gone. So- Goji's gone. It's interesting. It's like a whole new race. Guess who won there in the downhill? Laura Goop. Uh, and she was sick wow. in the Super G. So she wins oh. two times last Ooh. week. And she's returning to a place she likes with huh. no Michaela, no Gojia. I got to pick Goot because she has the history there and she's on the rise. Yeah. So do you think that uh, Lara Goot is back? Excuse me, Lara Goot Bayrami. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she'll always be good to me. Uh, she, I think she's back. I, I didn't think it was going to happen, but boy, I think with – with not a lot of pressure, she breaks through. And then with all the heroes out of the way, I think she's 
she's got the confidence and, and she'll be on the podium twice for sure. The other people, of course, Brignone, you got to see in both the Super G and the Alpine combined. Her slalom may be the biggest surprise this year, Brignone. Yes, yeah, she's uh, has been yeah. struggling. I don't know where she's been. Yeah. Uh, but then you got to throw in Corinne Suter as well because she's super confident and she could throw it down in Super G. She's another one who kind of came out of nowhere this year. She was she she started off the season back at the pack and she she had some first podiums, first wins. She's been on a rampage this year, and she locked up the downhill title already. Yeah, which is amazing. All yeah. I remember her is, I, I don't know where it was, but she ate it so hard one time. I'm like, I like this girl. She definitely punches it and will take it uh, to the red room a lot. So she's figured that out, and she's fast and, and consistent now. Got to get comfortable in the red room. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we will go back and make sure you got everyone right. If you didn't, your head's on a stick. Um, I have some fun questions for you because there are debates I need to settle. The first debate, um, which everyone in America talks about is in the American ski racing world, at least is which is better the Eastern or the Western mountains. All right. So I premise this, I'm not a racer now, okay. but I live in park city for the sun and the snow, but East is the beast. I got to go you. East. It's the only reason I'm a bronze medalist in the world championships is because of the East. The East. It's the ice. It's the grit. It's, it's all skiing in the rain. It's skiing with freezing everything. It's, it is the toughest, nastiest, gnarliest place, but the best place to grow up on snow. Nice. Well, that is a, that is a question I'll ask every guest, and we'll, we'll keep a running tally, a, a running, building argument on either side. Um, do you still rip arcs on the groomers? Uh, yeah, my favorite ski area uh, out here, I live in Park City, is Deer Valley. They have the best grooming, the best steeps, the best fall line. I lay trenches, or at least I try to. Yeah, trenches. Day. And you're not paid to say that. No, no, no. I, I, pay, just, I buy my ticket just like anybody ticket. else. I yeah. love Deer Valley. Yeah, I think Ted is paid to say that, but yeah. it, is a, it is a good resort. Um, so I, on, a, on a different note, I think um, – as we start this podcast back up, the ski racing world is different than it was before because uh, Jeff Schifrin is no longer in it. And I didn't know him, but I feel the need to honor him in some way and talk to him, talk about him in some way. Michaela has been home three weeks now, um, which I think is, is, is exactly the way it should be, staying with her family. And I, you know, family is more important than anything else. But did you know Jeff at all? Um. I can say I was lucky enough to know Jeff uh, pretty well. Uh, a lot of people knew Jeff, but I first met him uh, when he dropped off Michaela and picked up Michaela at Elite Team at age 11, so wow. 13 years ago. I'm still in shock that he's gone, and I can't even imagine what Eileen Taylor and Michaela and their family are going through, and mm -hmm. all of our hearts go out to them. But I was lucky enough to know him. He was simply the best ski racing parent you open up the dictionary yeah. ski racing parrot there he was with that funky mustache great the mustache. camera the goofy smile it was something interesting to add to every ski conversation that was not expected everybody was talking mm -hmm. about this he would have this interesting uh view on it uh -huh. he was involved he was involved just the right amount not crazy yeah. not like so many parents are now but he was involved he was caring uh but about the whole athlete 
You know, he, yeah. he, he saw Michaela as a whole. He saw athletes as a whole. He was unassuming. He had a, a rare ability to, to be in the background somehow. He just blended in. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was technical. So interesting to get his take on skiing. He saw things that I didn't, and mm-hmm. he would educate me every time. He was proud. I was lucky enough to be around him when Michaela won some big races, the Olympics and the World Championships. He was always crying with joy, just genuine yeah. joy. And in, he was first and foremost a dad, uh, always there with a hug, no matter how Michaela did. He was her dad, and I, I, I just feel so much pain, but all, so much love for that Schifrin family because he, he changed a lot of lives. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I have nothing to add. I think you, you, uh, you really did it, did him justice uh, there. And, and there's no, I don't think there's any real pressure for Michaela to, to return to the World Cup this year. If she wants to, great, but you know. She doesn't. She doesn't. Um, well, I actually wanted to mention Elite Team because I didn't know if you were if you were still looking to fill spots. Yeah, Elite Team is not full yet. Um, it's a camp for eight to fourteen year olds. Uh, it's a dry land camp. It's in Vermont, and we'd love to have you. It's spelled weird. It's E L I T E A M EliteTeam.com, but. We'd love to have you. We still have spots, and I know I'm trying to get you back as a coach. So one of these <laughs> days, you can have Jimmy Krupka as a coach. So hopefully, I'll be back there as a coach. Um, I had an absolute blast there, and it definitely taught me to push my limits and have fun doing it. Um, and and I'm not being paid to say that; it's the truth. Yeah. So um, Doug, it was super fun to have you on the show. Thanks for uh, riding it out with me on my very first episode of Ski Racing This Week with Jimmy Krupka. All right, thanks, and good luck with this show. Thank you. So let's get to some segments, which is my favorite part. I'm super pumped. I've got a whole bunch of fun segments for you and some surprise guests. Wait, oh, i got to do an ad first, but this will be a quick one. Here we go. Sync Performance exists to help the hardest working, highest performing, and most technically proficient ski racers on the planet reach their goals. Yes, yeah, Sync Performance is basically the uh, uh, is like ski racing apparel developed by ski racers for ski racers, but because of that, it's high quality stuff. And even if you don't ski race, I would look into it. Sync is there to celebrate the ski racing journey with you wherever it may lead. Use the code SRPODCAST20 and take 20% off your next purchase at SyncPerformance.com. That's SRPODCAST20. For 20% off, might as well do it. Sweet. That was a quick one. Let's get to some segments. Social media menagerie. Every week, we pick someone who is a little bit different on social media, but uh, we applaud them for that. So it's more of an award. Alex Vinatzer is our man this week. He's an Italian slalom skier. He's a, he's a young kid exploding onto the World Cup. You can find him on Instagram at AlexVNTZR. And he posts videos like uh, running with his hands behind him. Someone tell me what that's called. And uh, all these ninja moves and all these ninja animations. It's quite entertaining, and it's weird, but fun. So congratulations, Alex. Our next segment is very exciting for me because we managed to get a legendary ski instructor on the show, one of our surprise guests. His name is 
Helmut Verre. I think I said that right. And uh, he is in studio with me, which is very exciting. Uh, Helmut, great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me, Jimmy. So for the first week, let's give the people a simple tip. What do you think is the most important thing to think about when working on your ski technique? The outside ski is very, very important. You must use the outside ski. So what would you say to people that know they need to but can't seem to find the outside ski? You, you must find the outside ski. You must think about this. The power. You know, the power. Yes. The power comes from the outside ski. Why ski if you have no power? It's <laughs> a great point, Helmut. Well, thanks for stopping by the studio. Will you be back next week? I think so. See you then. That was Helmut. And I just met him recently. Great guy. A lot of experience with technique. Another segment we call East vs. West. And you got a sample of that with Doug Lewis. I asked him simply, Eastern Mountains or Western Mountains? He said East, so we've got a tally for one. I'll ask the next guest on the show what, what, what they think, and we'll keep a tally at the end of the year. Our next segment is very exciting. Another surprise guest who, again, is in studio. I don't know how I managed to get this guy all the way from Norway. But here he is, sitting down across from me with the other microphone, Christopher Henriksen. Great to have you on the show. Uh, great to be here, Jimmy. So, uh, Christopher Henriksen, you are Henrik Christofferson's best friend. Yes. And uh, basically, um, we, I just, I know you've got the inside scoop. What has Henrik's mindset been this year? Why has he been so slow in a couple of races where he should have been fast? Uh, I looked at your uh, at your fist results this year, and uh, you had a good December, but then you uh, absolutely sucked in uh, January. So... Uh, before you go uh, judging people uh, like Henrik, um, you know, maybe just have a little bit of compassion. So that's all I have to say on that. Well, I'd love to have you on the show next week. Uh, are you free? Uh, maybe. Maybe could make it to the studio. Great. And uh, thanks. Thank you, Jimmy. All right, guys, this is the part where we check the mailbox, which, no surprise, is empty. So I need you to send me your mail, questions, comments, advice from Helmut or Christopher, um, feedback for me, harsh feedback, I don't care, I'll read it on the air, have a good ski racing story, anything you want to contribute to the podcast, I'll put on the air. So email me at skiracingthisweek at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at jimmy underscore who underscore or shoot me a follow, why not? Well, that's the show. This has been Ski Racing This Week with Jimmy Kripka. That's me. See you next week.